All right, so uh, today on the New How Podcast, we have Copper Hill Real Estate. We're here with Andrew, Ryan, and Tim. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Brian. Thanks. Thanks What's for up? having us. Yeah. So uh, who is Copper Hill Real Estate, or what is Copper Hill Real Estate? Well, I mean, I would say the short answer that I give people now is uh, we're one of Philadelphia's leading independent real estate brokerages. Very cool. That's kind of the, the way I like to put it now because... You know, we started the company almost five years ago, and uh, with just the three of us organically, and now we've grown to a team of 24, and uh, we're growing every day. So it, it's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of this company and uh, and see where it started and where it's come. Very cool. And you said so you're up to 24 total, and that's so uh, the three of you as partners, and then you have how all 21 people below an, you guys. An additional 21 people. Yes. Very cool. Um, so how, how'd you end up here on a new how podcast today? What's how, you know, I know we have a connection, but like, what's, you know, how do we, how do we know each other? I guess. Sure. Well, Brian, you and I know each other. We've known each other for years now, both live in the same neighborhood, uh, work in the same industry for the most part, have mutual friends. Um, but, and these guys. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you're no stranger to the real estate world. So our, our paths have crossed and we realized, you know, there was synergy, roughly same age group. And, you know, we've had some clients that are, you know, experiencing or experimenting with your product. And, you know, we've just formed a, an organic friendship, just kind of being, being in the same world. We can say we're friends. That's good. Yeah, I like absolutely. That. I like that. We're boys. Yeah. So talk to me. So we've had other realtors and brokers on the show in the past. So tell me, you know, if I'm coming to you and I'm a, I'm a new home buyer, I'm looking to sell a home or something pre-construction, what are you doing? You know, what? How are you successfully marketing either an active listing, something that's already built, or what are you doing pre-construction-wise that sets you apart from other your competition, essentially? I think for us, uh, and this is where you design blends would come into a lot of it, would be utilizing both your skills and technology along with our use of targeted marketing. Mm-hmm which as a smaller brokerage, we have to be a lot more accurate as far as who we're marketing to mm-hmm. so that we can keep costs lower and then maximize the conversion rate. Um, but coupling that with the technology that Design Blends uses mm-hmm. and successfully pre-markets the property. Yep. And so for active stuff, so what are you doing? You know, if I just came to you, I have an existing single family home that I'm trying to sell. What are you doing? Like different or maybe something that you can give you know a new realtor in the business of like um how how you're getting that out to the masses what are you what are you doing on your end i mean a lot of it too is you know being independent as a brokerage allows us to think outside the box for every single thing we do We're, we're not like a turnkey franchise brokerage where they say this is what you do for buyers this is what you do for sellers we get to collaboratively put our minds together and say hey this is a good idea for this property. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, like let's say you know you were talking about a condo today in Philadelphia, and um, it's an eight hundred thousand dollar condo, and we're trying to think, okay, h- how do we do some additional marketing that someone might not do in order to reach out to a specific audience? And people are like, oh, I'll just spend money here. I'll do this. I'll get I'll get some fancy food. I'll get some champagne. I'll do, you know, I'll have this this elegant party, which again it works. 
Um, and Ryan had the idea today. He's like, look, let, let's go back on the history of this building. Let's look at the price range of this particular condo. Let's talk to every listing agent, every buyer agent that has worked in this building in like recent history. Mm -hmm. And that way, if we reach out to them directly and say, hey, we have a new one on the market. If you happen to have another client for this building, this one's particularly unique because it's got the better view or whatever it is that sells it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the out of the box thing that we like to do to just say we're doing a little bit extra for our seller clients. Very cool. Yeah, I definitely think it's a combination of things. <clears throat> I think it's first and foremost understanding the product that you're actually selling because, you know, product A may appeal to a certain demographic where product B, B may appeal to, to someone else. So I think it's definitely understanding who you're marketing to. And then for us too, we take a lot of pride in having really great relationships within our industry mm -hmm. because there's a really good shot. It's going to be a co-op. Yep. Um, so we want people to want to sell our listings because they know that dealing with Copper Hill is always like a smooth transaction. We understand what we're doing. You know, we're not argumentative for the mm -hmm. sake of being argumentative. We understand there's an end goal. Um, so I think that is you know, certainly part of the equation as well. And again, you know, there's different social media tactics. There's obviously di different online mm -hmm. things. You know, there's certain uh, listings that may actually benefit from, from print marketing. Mm -hmm. So we'll certainly explore that. So I, again, I don't think marketing fits into the same mold for every, yep. every single property. I think, it, you know, again, it's understanding the product, figuring out what the best strategy is so, and then alloc uh, you know, going from there. So, so speaking on tech, you know, obviously the MLS had a full makeover recently. What, do you, what are your thoughts? You know, did they get it right? Are they still missing things? Like, like, you know, I asked the last person on here, like, what, what are your thoughts? I want to know. I'll, I'll let our tech expert, Andrew, uh, <laughs> um, be the first one to respond to that. There's a lot of good things in it, and I like the expansion as far as a geographic <laughs> Uh, topic is concerned. I mean, obviously, we have access to more data now, which obviously makes us more dangerous. Gone are the days of needing to be a local agent on a block or a neighborhood with the amount of data that we have accessible to us. However, they took two separate systems and combined it into one. Mm -hmm. So from like a coding perspective, you have to keep a lot of old code in a new system in order for everything to still to show. Yeah. And with that, there's a lot of other software tools available to us that don't necessarily communicate well with that new system. Yeah. Do, you, do you think realtors rely too much on that? I mean, obviously, you, know, you mentioned you have your own social media tactics. Is there, you know, what are your thoughts overall? I mean, obviously, I think MLS is a piece of it from where I see. You know, I'm not a realtor, right? I don't yep. list, probably go to realtors like yourselves, list my properties. I'm not actively putting that out, but like, yeah. You know, what, what What do you think is a holistic approach? Is the MLS definitely a piece or can you see it happening without it? You know? I mean, MLS in general, like, so as a licensed agent, how do I look at the MLS? Mm -hmm. The MLS is the best local source of data that people with real estate licenses have access to. Yep. Not only that, it's also the, the number one source of information that other licensees go to first to verify that data. Okay. So in terms of getting information out there in some way, shape, or form to the local community to say this place is for sale, this place is for rent, whatever it might be, that's probably number one with the MLS is, as far as being the best data and being local. Mm -hmm. As far as like technology and things like that, to AJ's point, it's like there have been huge growing pains with the new uh, Bright system. 
I think there's probably a lot of things that are going to work way better after it gets through its its growing pains. But you know, to your point, like social media and renderings and, and creative marketing and reaching out to people organically, I still think those things work better in terms of like finding a unique approach for a particular property. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the MLS itself, like you don't really know until you're a licensee or like this is the local platform that I work with to encourage a co-op to get that data out there so that I get as many local licensees eyes on this as possible because those are the people with the buyers. Yeah. Um, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to co-op with another agent. They're going to represent the buyer. So if you want to get in front of 90% of the buyer market, you want to get in front of their agent. So talk to me about co-oping with other agents. You know, there's a lot of technology, at least from where we see, you know, it's fun for us to watch because we're in a weird spot and yeah. how we operate. But like, talk to me about, you know, there's like Redfin now is listing houses. You know, it's just like, I don't know, is Zillow already listing houses? You know, there's, there's other tech platforms and other tech brokerages as they brand themselves as like, Ooh, give us your listing and we're going to sell it for you with less yeah. fees. How, what are your, what's your take on that as a realtor? And do you see any possibility of that becoming the new norm in the industry? Um, I mean, that's the whole iBuyer craze and Zillow is marketing their own listings. They have their own real estate teams. Um, that's going to be inevitable. Mm-hmm. However, the centralized grandiose idea of having one MLS for the entire country, which I know the CEO of Compass was kind of raising to everybody. I just don't see that existing from the standpoint of each individual state having its own license, licensing practices and its agents within that state feeling comfortable that when they go to that source, that information is not only correct on the property, mm-hmm. how they're getting paid is also correct and something to stand behind. Whereas if somebody, some third party vendor created an MLS, and then was advertising commissions on it, I don't think they're gonna wanna get in the middle of brokerage fights Mm -hmm. over commission, whereas if it's on the MLS, there's already agreements in place that kind of roadblock trend or bright having to step in the middle of agents fighting about commission. Yeah, and and, you know, from where I sit too, I I kinda think it's, I I think it's a possibility, I just see it so far out still, if it's become, like I I see it as a 10-year issue, and I think the bigger issue with that transactional brokerage where it could be tech bases. Uh, you know, we just saw in the news recently that a dude was indicted for faking deeds, right? Like the right. whole deed search, that process in general. Been common practice right? in Philly for a Big, long time. Yeah, you start making some extra money in Philly, just start faking deeds, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, cra- it's unreal. But like stuff like that alone, it doesn't even really relate to the agent per se and their sole duty. It's like now you have issues like how do you know that person owns the property what right. what piece of technology or, or company is going to come along and systemize title searches and deed searches nationwide like right. that alone i feel like is going to be a block to a lot of these tech platforms that are that are trying to come out there i don't know what your guys thoughts are but i think, I think it's just one of them <laughs> yeah i mean i think tech certainly enhances the business and what you can do in the business but i think it's always going to remain a relationship-based mm-hmm. business, and it's a it's a service business, and something like Redfin, you know, they they salary their agents, yep. um, and then pay them, you know, small rips on top of it. And the thing I see that is bad about that is you're basically hiring people that are too concerned to go out and be on a hundred percent hustler, like yeah. a hustler, right? Exactly. That's... They need they need that crutch of the of the commission and or of the salary, excuse me. 
And the people that are really hustling in this business, the people that are really out there, you know, making relationships, grinding it out, understand that the upside is on the traditional model. Yeah. I can make way more money on my own back, on my own relationships, on my own hustle uh, with the, you know, commit the traditional commission split than I can relying on Redfin to just feed me a thousand leads <laughs> that may also be going through Trulia and Zillow and getting filtered out to a hundred different agents within the Philadelphia area. So what percentage of them are you actually going to close and how much time are you wasting, wasting, you know, spending, uh, or chasing these leads down when in reality you could be out and about, mm -hmm. you know, being more tactful in your approach. Yep. Um, so I think that's the current issue. I'm not saying it couldn't, you know, go a different direction in the future, but I think that's what some of these, why they're not attracting a lot of the top agents that yeah. currently in the so, industry. So what I, I want to chat with you guys now a little bit, I want to switch gears a little bit to your brokerage in the business. You know, when I first met you guys, it was you three. And now, yeah. you know, we talk back to like, there's 24 of you like, holy shit. Like that's yeah. insane growth. And it's like, it's the same for you, man. When well, I talk to you, <laughs> you know, it's we're, we're, we're awesome. at 28. We're slightly ahead of you, but not, you know, we're going to compete. We're going to keep rolling. Talk now. to us at the end of the talk week. Talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> end of the week, you're going to be ahead. Right? <laughs> um, but you know, the, the one thing I, you know, I wanted you guys to shed a little light on, you know, people, you know, if the realtor that's out there on his own working at a Keller Williams or, or, uh, you know, a wiker or something. It's like, listen, you know, what are the, some of the challenges you guys face leaving the, I'm sure you started on a traditional side. Like what are some of these challenges to, that you had to overcome in a way to take a brokerage from the three of you to now you have a team and yeah. you're mentoring people. Like what, what is it? Let's give me a little like insight to how that worked on the real estate brokerage side for you. I mean, when we started, there were two options. One, we could go turnkey franchise model, which is like, you know, a Remax Keller Williams, like mm -hmm. you said, or we can build it from the ground up our terms, our brand, you know, our, our values, let's mm -hmm. call it. Um, the reason we chose to be independent was one, we consider ourselves more entrepreneurial than mm -hmm. some people who choose the, the turnkey model. That that's what works for them. They want a little bit more structure right out of the gate. Um, but two, we wanted to kind of learn along the way and also understand more about the industry and building a brokerage yep. rather than someone just say, do this, do that. And, and you're fine, we'll talk again next week. We had to fall on our face. I can't even tell you how many times. I mean, It's still you, there, I'm looking at you, your face yeah, is still Yeah, you know, there. it's healed it's <laughs> now. But you should have seen it two weeks ago. No. Um, so, I mean, to answer your question, it's doing it the independent way, you're looking at the three decision makers right here. Mm -hmm. So like when I, we're meeting with a few agents every week now to tell them about our growth, our expansion, our new model, what we're doing, what we're trying to build. And when I talk to them, most of them work at a big box shop. And when I do, I'm like, what do you like and what do you not yeah. like about it? And most of the time when they say what they don't like is a lot of like the red tape or like it's just not, it's not the right culture. It's hard. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, and then when they come in, I said, you know, this started here in Philadelphia with three guys from the Philadelphia area. And this is how we started with the three of us. And this is why we started it. Yeah. And look at where we are now and why we've gotten to where we are and why you're in this room with me right now talking to me about how we can potentially grow together. Mm -hmm. And we're doing that every week now. We're literally meeting with people every week to tell them that story, yep. which is great. And, and I guess, you know, the one thing I think a lot of them probably see is like, you got, you know, you got a foundation started. There's, there's room for someone to go over here and add an addition to the house in a way, right? Yeah, it's like, <clears throat> that was probably the biggest challenge is establishing the foundation, mm -hmm. you know, building the house, which is kind of the stage we're at now. I think is kind of the easy part, or not easy, but easier. 
Um, it's always hard. You see all yeah. the shit in the news with yeah. foundation work right. recently in the city going right. on. Yeah. Yeah. Foundation is, when it, you know, people go, when they switch from renovations to new construction, the, the foundation is the hardest part. After that, it's easier than the renovation. Yeah. The foundation is the hardest. Yeah. And again, since we're independent, we had to create all of our training materials. We had to create all of our marketing materials. You know, we don't have a big brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we kind of had to build all of that on our back, all of our back end infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, how are we gonna, you know, keep track of this? How are we gonna keep track of that? You know, within the first six months, we probably had like, you know, 25 different Excel sheets that yeah. we're still trying to figure out what's on what and, you know, so. That's probably the biggest challenge of being independent. What do you think you sacrificed to do that? Versus if you guys said, fuck it, I'm going to Keller. I'm also, we're setting up the, the Garrity Brothers and Janos team. And it's like, what do you, you know, what, what do you think you sacrificed to have to do it on your own? Time. I Time. think it's sleep. Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get to keep my soul though. So. Plus, yeah. one thing I can say, because you have your own brand, you have your mm-hmm. own company. I feel like a lot of it, you don't go out and set down that path unless you have the passion to do it. Mm-hmm. So as much as we have sacrificed along the way, like I said, you know, sleep and time and falling on my face and the whole thing, it's so much more satisfying to me personally to wake up every day and say, we started this thing from, from nothing <laughs> and we created it out of, our, out of our own minds on our terms and we have reasons behind why we do We did our colors, our logo, you know, why have you gotten to where we are in, in five years? I would have named it Gold Hill. Like, oh. <laughs> you know what? I've sharp too, but it just wouldn't have been as cool. I mean, Iron, Iron Mountain was taken. Right, right. So, <laughs> so, I mean, in general, to answer your question, it's like to Rise Point, time is probably the biggest thing. It takes way more time mm-hmm. to figure it out, to get that foundation together, because otherwise you just turn the key, you pay your money, mm-hmm. you get the foundation with another company. Yep. But for us, building that foundation took so much time. But now that it's there, I think, I mean, me personally, it's just. It's so much more satisfying, yep. and now when we can really like grow it, it's it's an amazing feeling. What do you, what's your what's your gut telling you about Philly? I mean, I went to this Globe Street event today where it's all these big guys putting up towers, talking about what they think's happening. You know, what, what what is your thought on the next three years in Philly? I mean, Philly's unique in itself, whether it's the food, the culture, uh, sometimes the accent. <laughs> <laughs> I That's think, definitely unique. I think Philly, in its uniqueness, has its own resiliency, where not only are there good infrastructure things that are going on from a standpoint of like quality of life, yep. there are genuine desires to want to move to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, Philadelphia doesn't react the same way that New York or the West Coast would react. which I think just further adds to that resiliency where you can still have large developments going on in the fringe areas because those people that probably know some people that know some other people that have deep pockets know that maybe some big infrastructure thing is going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, people, I'm not going to say all developers can have vision, but they're not all going to band together and do something for them all to fall down. It was interesting. One of the, one of the things I heard today, you know, there's a great panel. Uh, Matt P from from Post Brothers was on yep. on one of it. And, you know, he four, he has over four thousand units going on, and it was yeah, amazing. It was interesting for him to say what they were focusing on. It was more the seventy five percent of people type housing, like the people making fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. How do you get them housing, right? And it was funny for him to say seventy five percent of what they focus on is that, but like 
they got a fucking building that a three bedroom to eight thousand a month. Right. Right. So you got like both of that going on in Philadelphia, yeah, which yeah. is wild to me. And another interesting thing, one of the other guys on the panel also mentioned that like they're tripling down in Camden. What do you what are your thoughts on that? I think it's bullshit. I mean, I, I think we're not there yet. Camden, I think is yeah. I think that maybe a little too forward thinking. I think Camden's moving fairly quickly because they've put in a lot of infrastructure mm-hmm. for for jobs. They yeah. put in a lot of a lot of headquarters there. Um, it's funny to your to your first question earlier, just about Philly in general. I went to something last week at the Union League with a friend of mine, and they were doing uh, like Philadelphia's like I think it was like the the twenty thirty five plan, mm-hmm. um, and they were talking about it. And one interesting point they made is they said, look. Philadelphia back in like the 50s or maybe it was like the 60s was 2 million people in population. So this is like almost 70 years ago. We were at 2 million. We're not even at 1.6 right now. But all the infrastructure, the major infrastructure in the city was built back there. The number of homes, the highways, the trains, every, the airport, everything. So Philadelphia is in a unique spot right now where all the major infrastructure is built. It's there. Now, is it the, in the greatest shape? <laughs> I don't know, but it's there. It still where, smells like piss when yeah, I walk into it. Yeah, it still station. smells terrible. Yeah. yeah. But it's a great smell. We have infrastructure that growing cities across the U.S., like the mm-hmm. South and the West, would, like, die for. Of course. And the thing is, all we have to do is bring the people. All <laughs> they have to do is come in. And, like, to Andrew's point, like, the resiliency of people here that have been here for generations. Yeah. And speaking to some of the other markets, too, I saw, you know, they mentioned the amount of units that came online, you know, over the year for Center City alone, right. compared to, like, a suburb in Washington, D.C., was, like, it was a fraction yeah. of, like, what other areas are still doing and still maintaining that's why you know back to the resilience and uniqueness of philly that andrew mentioned it's like i I don't see it stopping here and from where i sit with the amount of units that my clients are bringing online over this year two we have projects that are slated to start in 2020 and 2021 i've talked with other developers that they have construction booked out through 2020 already Mm -hmm. and they're looking into 21 and 22 to build to keep rolling and it's wild Mm -hmm. i'm like how is that even possible but Back to some of these points we're mentioning, I, I just think Philly's getting started. And the, the crazy thing to really come up with, like, a concept for, like, what Philly is compared to, like, a New York. Like, we have, like, 50 buildings in Center City. Not 500. Right. 50. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> you you break, break Philadelphia down, there's 50 fucking buildings that people are renting. Like, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, got, and, yeah. and when you think of Philadelphia as the city of neighborhoods, as yeah. everybody likes to throw out there... Mm-hmm. You've got neighborhoods like Fishtown now that are getting a hotel, they're getting a 95-unit rental building. Like, that sort of stuff wasn't happening in neighborhoods before. But what you're also seeing is some of those neighborhoods like Old City that have that older infrastructure, older style of attraction that people don't necessarily want anymore, you're finding a migration from those neighborhoods going into the newer ones Mm -hmm. that are... Putting all of that in. Yep. Exactly. I actually think one of the things, well, A, when I think about Philly, I look at <clears throat> New York, D.C., and Boston, and mm-hmm. we're still pennies on the dollar compared to those three cities. So I still think, I think we still have a lot of room to grow. And I actually think tech is helping Philly from the sense that so many people have the ability to work remotely these days. Mm-hmm. And there's less of a need to have to be in New York City or be in Washington, D.C. for five days a week. And with Philly 
planted directly in between two of them. I mean, I think you can argue that Philly is maybe the most centrally located yeah. city in the entire country. Well, I was bullish on Amazon. I was like, Amazon's fucking coming here. We got yeah. shortlisted. And then it was like, Amazon put up shit around New York and D.C. Yeah. It's like, yeah. interesting. And then they're withdrawn. So they're already second guessing. I said, in the of it, I, I said don't it's yeah, till, till it's fucking built, don't count on it. But <laughs> right. I, you know, I still think they're playing ball. Jeff Bezos is a smart dude. He's not fucking yeah. around. He's gonna. Oh, I'm coming here, and all of a sudden, see what they do. And pull like nothing's signed. You and, know. And the one thing, <laughs> the one thing that Philly like in its resurgence, like Philly started like getting more in like the national news, and mm-hmm. people started recognizing it again. Like back in like the late mid to late '90s, people were like, "Oh, Philadelphia's coming back," blah blah blah, from like 50 years of decline. And you know, when it started coming back, it's just it's like amazing to see that like some like here's a good example. When I was in college, I'm showing my age here. When I was in college, like, no one hung out in Center City. You hung out in a few select neighborhoods, like Northern Liberties and Maniac Roxborough, things like that. And then now it's like, as soon as you're, like, 18 years old, you're like, I'm moving downtown. Mm-hmm. Or I'm moving to, like, a, a brand new apartment in University City. Like, I want to be in those areas right now. I want to be able to walk to every single mm-hmm. thing that I do. School, nightlife, entertainment, you know, public transportation, the wow, highways. Wow. Why, yeah, the ninth <laughs> Wawa is being built in Center City now. It's like they were pulling out of the market 10 years ago, and now they can't stop building them. Yep. So it's just, it's just changed so much. And the, the heartbeat, which is Center City, is, like you said, it's, just, it's, it's growing. And even, like, downtown, you can afford, I mean, you can get a two three $300,000 condo, like, in Rittenhouse Square, which is arguably, like, the, the nicest neighborhood, like, in the city. And it's like, well, you could also get a two point eight at the Laurel. You exactly. could also get a eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollar from high top development. Like, there's a lot of yes. variation and throughout the whole scene. Yeah. That's what I think is exciting. It is. It's amazing. Why. So it's coming. So what? What's next for Copper Hill? Where you know you're at twenty four, right? I'm just making sure I get twenty four yes, people. What? It. What's next? Like, are you guys taking over city by city? What, what's What's going on? What do you, What do you guys think is next for your expansion? I think. Right now, we're primarily focused on Philadelphia and the surrounding area. We did just get licensed uh, in New Jersey, so we're now able to practice oh, yeah. in New Jersey. So that's exciting. So I kind of consider that Philadelphia and surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Um, so South Jersey, we'd like to expand into. We all have connections to you know the South Jersey shore points. Um, we're kind of approaching ages where you know we know some people that are starting to explore that market. So we'd like to get involved down there. Um, we'll get some Copper Hill Beach sales. <laughs> <laughs> Copper Hill Beach sales. So I think now that, you know, we're four years in, we basically launched January 1st, 2015. So we're Q1, year five. Um, and again, you know, going back to my previous point, we basically spent four years laying the foundation. And now we really feel like we're in a position, you know, to build on top of that foundation. So we moved into a new office space September 1st. Where's that at? That's at 18th and JFK. Okay. Um, so right in Center City. It's awesome. Um, so a yeah. quick Uber from where we're at. Absolutely. Yeah. Quick Uber. You know, we're, yeah. Bus or train we're a block away from Suburban Station. You know, lots of train stop or bus stops uh, out front. So great location, centrally located. Um, as you know, but listeners don't know, we used to work out of a co-working uh, facility similar to like a WeWork. And did you fit out the office space? Is it like, what do you do to it? Is it just, <coughs> oh, are you yeah. rented? The, cur- the current office? So you, yeah. yeah, so it was three separate spaces that we conjoined into one. Cool. 
Um, and we completely. How, how long did you sign a lease for? Because that's big. Five years. Well, fuck it. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, right? It's going like anywhere. you ain't picking up your shit from WeWork and moving yeah, out. Like right. you're fucking nah. here. Yeah. So yeah, yeah our great. previous office at WeWork was probably. 150 square feet. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> or, it's awesome. And yeah. our, our new space is 3,000 square feet. Um, yeah. Completely brand new, completely fitted out to our brand. Um, you know, we started bringing people through. Everyone loves the space. Um, so now that we're there, we feel like we're really in a position to grow the company, mm -hmm. and grow the team, bring on like-minded individuals that see our vision, appreciate the groundwork we've laid, and want to be a part of that. You know, one of our favorite mottos is we're looking for people to grow the company with us, not for us. We're yep. not looking for you to come in and, and make Tim, Andrew, and Ryan rich, you know, even though we'd, we'd like to get rich. Yes. Uh, but we're looking to bring people in and create opportunities for everyone because the only way that Copper Hill is going to continue to exist is if we're creating opportunities and everyone is benefiting from them. So. Really just focused, you know, for now. I mean, again, if we can branch off into other markets, you know, that means we're doing something right. It's awesome. Uh, but right now the primary focus is, you know, Philadelphia, sur surrounding area, oh. and just see, you know, how we can kind of grow with, within that marketplace. Very cool. Yeah, I'm sure, <clears throat> I'm sure that you can relate to this, but Ryan and I would always go out and network. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the first couple of years, we'd, we'd give him our brand name and, Half the time, people wouldn't know what it was, and the other half, people were like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you guys, but you could see in their face that they didn't really be like, are you guys really like know. Gold Hill? Or right, right, yeah. Oh, right. oh, wait, 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 Copper Mountain? No, Copper Hill. Okay, Copper. And to finally yep. be in a position where you can go out and see genuine reactions of, yeah, we know who you are, and yeah, we've, we've heard good things about you, like the sign, like the number one thing is our sign is always voted to look the best yeah. out of everybody, which is great because that's your foundation for your brand. That's what's out on the street. And for other agents to be like, yeah, you do have a kick-ass sign, then that hits home for us. It matches it the light next to the light yeah. when you have right. a sign. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. Makes, yeah. Tim had a listing yeah. where the owner called him and he was like, the property was <laughs> on the market for like a day and he came home from work and there was like six people crowded in front of, of the house. and. And the seller got all excited, and he's like, oh my gosh, all these people are like super excited my, about my property. And he got out of the car and was like, hey, like, what's going on? And they're like, we absolutely love this sign. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, yes, it works. <laughs> he's like, what about the house? You guys, you guys should light it up. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know? like, come on, like, be the first brokers to like yeah. light up their sign, make the make the like flame like flicker yeah. in there. <laughs> we we, we gotta start looking to a, a look at throwing flames like a Sixers yeah. game. <laughs> we need to get an actual copper border. How much Can you is send it us a rendering of that? <laughs> yeah, we got, we, we got a flicker. But um, yeah, cool. I mean, to answer your question from earlier, and these guys already answered it in a nutshell, is. Let's, let's grow to be one of the leading, if not the leading independent brokerage in and around Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. That when someone thinks of, of a non-big box franchise, whatever you want to call it, brokerage, they think of Copper Hill in and around Philadelphia. You know, suburban, city, sure. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they're a big player in this market. And then if you can prove that and you can build out that brand in, a, in, a, you know, in the fifth largest city in the country like Philadelphia then you can repeat that in other areas. Yep. And if you find that you have an opportunity somewhere else, then of course we're gonna, we're gonna explore that. 
So before I let you guys go, and I know you're finishing up your rolling rocks here. That's right. Uh, PA. I want to hear from each each of you. You know, what's what's the one thing that somebody can take with them to the next step in their real estate career? Whether they're a developer, whether they're a realtor, what what's the one thing tried and true in this in this industry that you've that you stick to? It's one of your top five, you know, values or top five pieces of advice. I'll give you one for each. I'd say from a developer investor standpoint is I have a lot of people reach out to me and say I'll look at anything anywhere if the numbers make sense and I'm like do you know how many properties there are in Philadelphia <laughs> like do you know your numbers in Point Breeze 42 even... million square feet right. of right. land do you know your numbers <laughs> is that what it is, it is. <laughs> like, I heard that today <laughs> I'm like it's it's really not that simple like you need to to understand neighborhoods you know they're vastly different. Um, you need to understand your numbers. Good opportunities don't just sit on the market while you're sitting there doing, you know, due diligence on the neighborhood. So I, I think from an investor or developer standpoint, I think you're better off honing in on one or two neighborhoods and being mm -hmm. an expert in those areas and really understanding, you know, who's buying in those neighborhoods, what are things going for, you know, obviously understanding your construction costs, all that stuff. Um, I think trying to spread yourself too thin across too many different areas, like you're just gonna, you're gonna get lost. There's too much going on. Mm -hmm. um, from a realtor standpoint, the two things I would say is understand that it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, it's really difficult to, to get licensed and just come out of the gate running with, you know, 20 new listings and 20 new buyer clients. Like you gotta do it organically. You gotta do the right things. Like it, it's not, most likely not gonna happen. Um, overnight and what was the other thing I was going to say I totally forget um, but yeah that's kind of kind of the cool. advice yeah, I, would, I would offer I would say I'll just touch upon the agent thing because I feel like you know I'm the operations guy so I deal with a lot of the agents and saying their expectations mm -hmm. and a lot of the time when I talk to people I just say look more people who get their license fail at it than succeed a lot more they usually say there's something called the 80-20 rule. 20% 20 of the agents make 80% of the money, and 80% <laughs> of the agents make 20% of the money. For a few reasons. We're all independent contractors. We're all free agents. Some people get good advice. Some people get bad advice. And then you have to be self-disciplined. So if everyone's an entrepreneur in real estate and you really don't know what you're doing, you're not getting good guidance, you're just going to be one of the 80%. You're just going to fail. You're not going to make enough money in this industry to survive. So when I meet with people, I say, look, Andrew, myself, and Ryan, we all started the same way. We started at the bottom. We learned how this business worked. We built it up with our support networks. Everyone that, that cares for us, that supports us, that cheers for us every day. They give us leads. They give us sales. They give us referrals. And with that, if you can rely on them and, and again, build that foundation, more referrals, more people will know that, hey, Tim is a good agent. Andrew is a good agent. Ryan's a good agent. Copper Hill is a good company. But it, it's a marathon. Like, it takes time. You have to, you got to have thick skin. You got to wake up every day and, and have some kind of a plan yeah. as to what you're, like, looking <laughs> to do to build it. And if you don't, then, again, you're, you're probably going to be one of the majority. You're I, just... I feel like that's the long-winded uh, explanation for Drake's line. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like, that's it. You just nailed it. Like, that's yeah. what it fucking means. Yeah. 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 So, Andrew, you close us out here. What's, what, yeah. what's, what's the advice? They laid out some great groundwork already. If I were to sum it up, it'd be something that's going to be on our wall shortly, and that's just to build genuine relationships. Yep. 
whether you're a developer or an agent, nobody's going to want to interact with you if you're being fake or you're just wasting people's time. It's, it's not going to work well for anybody in that situation. Yeah, we're in the business of selling real estate, but it's, it's a relationship business. I and love it. A lot of people are very transaction focused, and we kind of pride ourselves on, on being relationship focused. Re- relationships are definitely the trunk of well, the tree, and everything's like, branches. It's like understanding the issue, right? Like you want transactions. What's the core essence exactly. of a transaction? It's yeah. the relationship. It's how much value you're bringing to that relationship. And it's like, how the fuck do I may even get in value? Right, it's like breaking yeah. that down. I think that's uh, yeah. that's awesome. 100%. So, well, guys, thank you so much. I think there's a ton of value for anyone in the real estate industry around Philadelphia on this episode. You know, I'm I'm just super excited to see what's next for Copper Hill and you know what markets you just start taking over. Appreciate so, it, Brian. Thank you. Guys. Thanks yeah, for having thank us. Thank you very much. Yeah.